Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Rebecca Chen. I'm a partner with Brady and Newman. I'll be conducting the conference call for today. Uh, Gayatri, can you start our first question? Hello, ma'am. Hi. Hi. Thank you for thank you for your time. Uh, good morning. So I have a question. My EB2 is already, uh, you know, we already filed EB2. Last year we have filed EB3 since the the priority door is progressing. This year, you know, as a separate I-140 for EB3. This okay. year uh, EB2 is progressing and our filing date is getting current. So what is a good option to file uh, interfiling or, uh, you know, filing us, uh, you know, under I-485 for EB2, which is the, which is the good, the good option? Yeah, there are pros and cons with both options. Um, we mostly just let people know what the what those are and let people decide. Kind of the pro with interfiling, we usually don't recommend interfiling until your date is current according to the final action dates chart, chart A, um, because before then there isn't really any point of interfiling because one of the point of interfiling is you're sending into USCIS your EB2 I-140, telling them add this to my I-485 file, and because the priority date is current this month, um, please you know issue the green card approval. So we usually recommend not interfiling until your priority date becomes current. But if your priority date is current according to the filing dates chart, you do have the option filing a new set of I-485s in the EB-2 category. Um, kind of the, the good thing about that is that it gives you another receipt number. It's easy to track. The con of refiling the I-485s is that you're basically starting the processing from the beginning. So you might have to potentially submit fingerprints again. You will need to submit the medical again. Um, it'll start from the beginning, but it is easier to track. Interfiling, like I said, you don't recommend it until your final action date is current. It's very difficult to track because it's not an actual application. It's just a letter that you're sending in and you never know when and if USCIS has actually done it. So what is the best time? Should I should I wait for until the priority date current for the order? Should we file? You know, under regular. You could also do both, technically. Um, if your priority date is current according to chart B, 
for now, we know that in December, we can use chart B for filing with USCIS, but we may not be able to use chart B for much longer. Usually USCIS only allows using chart B for the first few months of the fiscal year, like October, November, December, when they're most likely to accept it. My prediction would be that by January, they're not going to accept chart B anymore. So um, could always file a new I-45 and EB-2 in December while you still can, if the chart allows you to. And then um, later, if your party becomes current in EB-2, you can also try to interfile. At a certain point, you'll because you'll have two I-45s pending at that point, you'll have to withdraw one of them. And of course, yes. filing two means you've submitted um, le uh, legal and filing fees for more than one application. But if you're okay with that, that is also an option. Understood. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your answer. Sure. Next question. Arjun. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Hi, uh, I just have two quick questions. Uh, I recently filed my AOS EAD and advanced payroll renewal application on November 8th. It reached mm -hmm. to USCIS, but I haven't received any notices or, you know, receipt notice or anything like that. Okay. Is yeah, it, that's not common? uncommon. That, it's not uncommon, unfortunately, um, because I think for EAD AP renewals, we send them into the lockbox, right? The Either the Yes. Dallas or Phoenix lockbox. And the lockboxes we have noticed have been taking longer um, since October to issue the receipt notices. Um, they're probably getting a lot of applications from um, October. So we've noticed it's taken about a month sometimes for the I-797 receipt notice to arrive. Sometimes it even takes a couple of weeks for the filing fee checks to be cashed. Um, but you can also keep an eye on your bank records. Um, when the filing fee check is cashed, that does no. accepted it. No, this is your AOS, AOS renewal, oh, so right. there is no, no fees. Fine. Friends yes. of mine, right. yeah, friend of mine, they received text text message, you know, I submitted 11, 1145 form, so, but I haven't received any text message or anything like that. So Yeah, so. we have also tried the 1145 in the past, and it has inconsistent um effectiveness. Sometimes we get those um, electronic updates and sometimes we don't. Um, yes. I already sent an email to Logbox because that's what Emma preferred, like send an email to Logbox so that they can verify, you know, so I did, but I don't see any response. But uh, another question is, uh, I am I, apply, I already applied uh, 485 last October in under EB3 downgrade. My priority day is April 2013. And right now, under filing chart, my date is current. Mm -hmm. Should I wait for until final action date is current for a new application? Because I haven't used my EAD or anything like that. So what you is the best scenario? For um, like I said, for interfiling, we recommend waiting until it's current according to the final action dates chart. But there's not really any similar reason to wait for... Um, filing a new I-485, you can file according to the filing dates chart too. It doesn't make too much difference because if you are deciding to do that anyway, to go with um, a new set of I-485s in the EB-2 category, if you've kind of decided on that anyway, I would go ahead and file in December because it'll get a head start on processing. Okay.
Okay, next one. Thanks for your help. Sure. Chaitanya? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Uh, my priority date is uh, July 2018 uh, for my uh, perm. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I filed with a Java developer. I have a question like I want to change my profile from Java developer to automation testing so if i continue with the automation testing do i need to update anything in my i140 is your i140 already approved yeah i140 already approved okay um so that kind of depends on your company so it's not required that the position that you are in currently be the position that's described in the perm and i140 so the perm and i140 are for a future permanent position. It's for the green card, which is which you don't have yet. So technically it's for um, the position that the company is offering you when you get the green card. So it doesn't have to be the job that you are doing right now. The job you're doing right now does need to match what's in your H-1B application or other whatever your non-immigrant application is, um, but it doesn't need to match what's in your permanent I-140. So if you are, currently changing roles within the company, you need to make sure that um, your H-1B matches, but as far as updating the permanent I-140, there's no way to really amend a permanent I-140 with an occupation code change or role change, except with starting another perm from scratch. Um, so it would require the company agreeing to basically sponsor you for this other position and starting the perm again from the beginning. They can port the priority date to the new perm and new I-140, but whether the company wants to do that will be kind of up to them. If from their side, their position is that for now they're changing you into an automation role, but the future permanent position that they're offering you is still the Java developer role, then they mm -hmm. don't have to do a new perm or I or change the I-140. Yeah, but if I'm continuing as a automation tester, so the final step, uh, uh, do they need to update in the perm? Priority date will going to change? Like I said, not necessarily. As long as the company is willing to continue attesting to UCIS that the position they're offering you is mm -hmm. the developer role that's described in the perm application, and if they are relatively similar, if they can be classified under the same SFC code, same or similar, then it's also not an issue. It can be different. Um, so if it's not that different, then they don't need to make any change to the application. Or if they, if they're, if the company's position is that the whatever role they put you in now, they're future permanent position offer is still the Java developer role. They also don't need to update anything. Sure, yeah, thank you. I have one more quick question. Like uh, uh, I am in a H1B and I am using the temporary disability like I am not working. So how many months I cannot work using the FMLA benefits being in H1B? Um, there isn't any, you know, certain maximum clear number of weeks or months, but we generally recommend to go by the FMLA um, rules on what that coverage is and to have the leave documented um, with your company beforehand so it doesn't look like they're benching you. Um, so before 
or you know around the time that you were going on leave if they have documents in their personnel file that you know you submitted this request or the claim for disability if they keep that in their public access file then that should be okay it's kind of similar to maternity or paternity leave in that way yeah it's been like around four to five months is it fine right still if they're maintaining all um, the documents i would go by the fmla um if the fmla does continuing continue to cover you because of that of yes, your condition then i would say generally um we haven't seen you cis have issues with it yeah i got it yeah thank you so much next question Muruli? Yeah, uh, hi. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes. All right. uh, thank you for taking my question. So I'm, I'm currently uh, a full-time employee of a US company. And then due to the reorg recently, they've eliminated some of the positions and uh, my position got eliminated. And then they gave like 90 day notice. So my official last working day would be 28th of January. And then after 28th of January, I will still get paid for probably 14 weeks. Uh, and then they said they will still run the paycheck. So my question here is, since I'm on H1B, at what point do you think they will revoke my H1B? Is it right after the January 28th? Or is it, do they wait until the 14 weeks Please. Yeah, I would for um, for immigration purposes, I would count your end of employment from January 28th. Um, if they have like a severance package that they are paying out as a result of the layoff, then they can definitely do that. And it can be over a period of weeks um, like it is in your situation. But if you're no longer actively employed by the company after January 28th, I would consider that the end of your H-1B employment with them, they could technically withdraw the H-1B after that. And then, so I would count your 60 day grace period from January 28th going forward for the amount of time that you have to file a transfer or a different application. Okay, sounds good. And then the follow-up question is, as my, my wife currently, she's on H-4 and EAD. So, since i mean she she recently recently went outside of the country and then she got the h4 stamped and she came back here and then her ead is valid until 2023 may so since when i transfer this do i again uh, file for h4 along with my transfer um she doesn't have to since her H-4, it's not company specific. As long as you're in valid H-1B status, her H-4 is valid as long as her H-4 I-94 is before it expires. So she doesn't have to file an H-4 extension, but she can. So if you're going to file an H-1B transfer to a new company, she can file an H-4 at the same time just to make sure your end dates are lining up, but it's not required if she doesn't then she just needs to make sure she keeps track of her end date because it will be different from yours it will be earlier than yours and so she'll need to file an extension or travel and get the extended i-94 before 2023 yeah uh okay thank you and then the last one is uh can she while she since she's on h4 ead can she work on like with the 1099 uh yeah 
Technically, for the EAD, there isn't any restriction on working as a contractor versus a full-time employee. So basically, legally, there is no issue there. So she can. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, sounds good. Thank you very much for your time. Next question. Nitin. Hey, hello. Good afternoon. So uh, my question is, um, I, my priority date is September 2011, and I'm current in the both EB2 and EB3 as the final action date. So the, the last year, we, I did downgrade from EB2 to EB3, uh, and the fingerprint was done in September. So now if I do the new I-485, and let's say it goes to a different service center, and meanwhile, the my file, which is at the Texas Service Center, if they issue an EAD card because they might be working separately, so like how that happens? Like if they issue the EAD card, uh, would can I still use that EAD card while the new I four eighty five is in process at a different service center, or if I use it, then it automatically discards the new application or vice versa? Um, if, so if you use card. the EAD from the EB three filing. Um, it doesn't automatically cancel out an EB2 I-485 that you might file, but it does kind of, for the time being, it sort of locks you in to the EB3 um, I-485. So they won't automatically deny, or, because UCIF doesn't know, they don't get an alert when you use an EAD card. Um, so the I-485 filed in EB2 wouldn't be automatically canceled, but you would need to consider yourself basically locked in to the EB3 at that point because you've used that EAD. In your situation, since your priority date is 2011 and it is current in EB3, um, according to the final action dates chart. And, and EB2 as well, yeah. It is, but um, I would say in your situation, it's not as necessary to file a new I-485 in EB2 because unless the dates retrogress in EB3 even more, which we're hoping won't happen, and I'm not really expecting EB3, at least in this next year, up until September of 2022, I'm not really estimating any further retrogression of EB3. So it seems like it's holding pretty steady at January 2012 for EB3 for you know, the near future. If it does, then you know your EB3 I-485 could theoretically be approved. Well, is your I-140 still pending? No, both. Yeah, I-140 is approved in EB3 as well as EB2. Okay, then yeah, I would say you will hopefully get the approval relatively soon. Um, there's because there's nothing, there's no obstacles anymore for your EB3 I-485 to get approved. The I-140 is already approved. You done the fingerprints, if you've submitted the medical exam, that's already there, and the final action date is current. Those are what's needed to get the I-485 approved, and at this point, it's already been pending for more than a year. So if you want to file another I-485 and EB2, you can. There's nothing stopping you from doing it, um, but I would say in your case, it's not as necessary as um, some other people who have a later priority date that is later than January 2012. Gotcha. Thanks, Rebecca. Just one uh, follow-up question. So same thing for my brother, but he's, his priority date is February 2012. So missed by one month. Yeah. So should In his he... case, it may be more beneficial. to. He has kind of some more incentive then to file another EB2 and I, in, an I-485 and EB2. 
because uh, it may not move beyond January 2012 for at least yeah. upcoming year. And so Rebecca, if he sends the new I-485 and let's say it goes to NBC and then they send a receipt notice, uh, maybe like in 15 days or one month or so, right? So as soon as the receipt notice comes, would the, the EB-3 I-485, would that process be stopped? No, they'll both continue parallel. Both continue parallel? Mm -hmm. Okay, next okay. question. Thank you. Manish? Hey, can you hear me okay, Rebecca? Yes. Okay, thank you. Hey, uh, so I have a question specific to uh, a new exten auto extension rule for H4EAD. Okay. So my situation is uh, my current H1B I-94, my wife's H4 I-94 and uh, her H4EAD. Uh, both are, all the threes are valid to till uh, January 24, 2022. Okay. And we have a stamped visa as well. And that is uh, has the same validity date, uh, 24th of January, 2022. So now my H1B is under premium processing. I have got the receipt notice is from USAIS soon I will be getting the result on that mm -hmm. so to I mean to extend her H4 I-94 uh, is she eligible to work on H4 I-94 uh, H4 EAD because her H4 I-94 going to expire in January 24th or do I need to extend that if you haven't already filed the I-539 and so is the I-539 and I-765 for your wife Already yes, yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. H4 and H4 EAD uh, are in process. I have done the concurrent filing. Okay. In her situation, since she has the visa stamp that already that's valid until January, um, what I would recommend for her to take advantage of the auto extension policy would be that once your H1B is approved, hopefully in the next few weeks, after you get the H1B approval notice that's valid until 2025 at that point, um, she can take her, uh, your H-1B approval notice and with um, the valid H-4 visa stamp, she can, she doesn't have to travel to Mexico actually, since she has the valid visa stamp, she could travel anywhere outside the U.S. Um, but then when she comes back in, she should get the extended H-4 I-94 um, until January 2025. Five, and that will allow her to continue working past January, even though her EAD expires in January. That travel and H4 I-94 extension will allow her to work for 180 days beyond January based on the pending I-765. Okay, so uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I got you. So you are saying that we don't need to, you know, fly to the my home country. We can fly to any third country, and then at the port of entry, at the port of entry, we can ask CBP officer based on my approved H1B, they can extend her H4 I94. Yes. For the next three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> and that we should do before her recent, I mean, current H4 I94 expired, which is January 24, 2022. We should plan a travel uh, before that, right? Um, yes, that would be best so that there isn't any gap in her work authorization. Okay, and do you recommend like any country like uh, Mexico by air or any kind any of country. travel? Any, any country. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And okay, yeah, that's what my question. Thank you so much. So we, we, uh, without traveling, we cannot extend her H4 and no. She has to go out. Yeah, she does. Okay, okay. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for your time. I appreciate it. Thank You're you. Welcome. Next question. Deepti Patel. Can you hear me? 
Yes, go ahead. Yeah. So I am. Uh, I'm actually on currently on H1B. Um, I we had filed EB3 uh, green card in 2010, um, and I switched roles within the company. So the thing is, my um, uh, priority date is current, and since I moved roles, they we need to file my uh, new green card again, and we kicked off the EB2 in EB2. So my question is, my H1 expires next year in 2022. Can I get renewals when my older priority date is current? And how long will I get renewals? Because I've been on renewals every three years uh, so yeah. far. You said your priority date is 2010? Yeah, 2010. And it's current now. Yeah. Is the, have, do you have an I-485 pending? Uh, oh, yeah. 140 was um, approved and 1485 was never applied. Because I moved roles, they couldn't continue with the GC application and they kick-started a new one in EB2. Okay, so your I-485 application has not been filed yet? Yes. Okay. Are you with the same company that filed? Yes, the same company, yeah. But they're just doing a new perm for you now? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a bit difficult because technically... Um, According to the H-1B extension rules, once your priority date becomes current, according to the final action dates chart, um, you may be able to get a one-year extension, but that's usually only in the case when your I-485 is filed and pending, because the idea is that when the I-485 is filed and your priority date is current, um, UCIS thinks that they can approve the green card within one year. So they only give one year of H-1B extension, but your I-485 is not yet filed. So when does your H-1B expire? My H-1B expires in July, 2022. Okay. And they just you... started my POM now, new oh, POM. Okay. And um, yeah. Yeah, they'll be cutting it a bit close. Um, if they can file the new Perm and get it approved and get the I-140 um, and I-485 filed before next July, then um, you might be able to apply for the one-year H-1B extension based on your pending I-485, if your I-485 can be filed by July. But that is um, cutting it pretty close if they have just now started the perm. If that is not possible, I would have your company still try to file the H-1B extension and explain the situation that um, even though you do have a final action date that is current according to EB-3 because of your change in role within the company, the company is doing a new perm for you that is in process and just try with USCIS. So we have had um, people in a similar situation this past year. Um, it remains to be seen if USCIS will kind of take that into discretion and actually extend the H-1B based on that. But that is the argument that I would make. That's pretty much all you can do. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, the pending I-485, once it is filed, that would keep you in a period of authorized stay. It's just that you won't have work authorization until the EAD comes in. Yeah, it will be cutting it pretty close, but I would have your company try at least the H-1B extension next yeah. So otherwise, worst case, what would happen? I'll have to kind of leave the country and come back or something till 140s uh, EAT, like it is EAD. Yeah, I would kind of keep in touch with your company and the attorney who's working on the perm, you know, in the first half of this coming year, get 
an idea from them on when they are expecting the perm to be approved. If it is pretty clear that it that the perm is not expected to be approved by January, by July, um, it may be advisable to for you to maybe leave the country for a couple of months before July, um, so that you have some time to recapture to like extend your H-1B a little bit uh, beyond July until the perm can be approved. So we have kind of used that strategy in the past too. So not necessarily leaving in July, but leaving maybe a bit before July so that you can then file an H-1B extension beyond July until the perm is approved. Because my recapture time, I won't get it, right? Because I'm... Um... Yeah, so that's why you would need to leave the country before July to kind of create that recapture time of like two months or something. Oh. So a recapture is when I'm on six years on H1, right? Because my H1, I've been on H1 since 2005. So I don't even have recapture time. Um, just any time you've spent outside the U.S. since you've been in H1B. Oh, okay. Capture, that's what recapture time is. Okay, got it, got it. Otherwise, like if I get perm approved by, by my H1 renewal, then will I get H1 renewal by any chance? Um, um, you'll have to check with your attorney at that point. Oh, okay. It'll come down to kind of pretty specific calculations in your situation since it sounds like it's pretty close. Uh, next. Oh, okay. okay, thanks. Sunil? Uh, hello, uh, this is Sunil. So here is my question. So I have my... Uh, advanced parole and uh, AOS EAD combo card with me and I'm uh, awaiting my uh, decision on I-485 and recently we went for an interview for 485 me and my family uh, and we took the medicals with us and uh, doctor had forgotten to uh, fill up the summary page and uh, so they gave us an RFE and uh, since then, we went to the doctor and we got the updated uh, medicals and we sent it back to uh, the field office. Now, uh, I have a family emergency and I need to go to India. And uh, we spoke to the visa officer about this and he said, oh, you can use your advanced parole. But I had a question. So what happens when uh, I'm in India and uh, I get my green card here? So what would be my situation? Is it advisable that so I travel You have the now? advanced parole in hand? Yeah, I have advanced parole and uh, the EAD yeah, combo technically, card. Technically you can travel while the green card is pending using the advanced parole. Um, if the I-485 is approved while you're outside the country, then um, we have had people who are able to return using the advanced parole plus like the I-485 approval notice. Or in some cases, if um, the resident card gets sent to your home address here in the US, someone in the US can mail you the permanent resident card abroad and then you can enter using it. Um, but I would say you should be fine returning with the advanced parole and like an I-485 approval notice. Okay, so it's safe for me to travel to India while uh, it's pending um, with advanced parole. You can, yeah, technically you can. Because it's at this end stage and it sounds like it's pretty close to getting approved, if you can avoid it, we would recommend um, not going. But if you absolutely need to, technically you can with the advanced parole. 
Okay. So basically, I mean, the best case scenario in that case would be someone like here, my family is going to be here, I'm uh, traveling alone, and they can send the green card. 45 approval notice. Um, 45. You don't need the actual permanent resident card. The I-45 approval notice should be okay. And that might be preferable if you're worried about like losing the actual card in the mail. If delivery over there may be tricky, um, then we would recommend using the I-45 approval notice rather than Shipping. No worries, no one. Okay. But that's also possible. You can ship the actual card. All right. So in case uh, if they send a card and uh, so it gets misplaced, I don't get it. So how much time uh, uh, they take to um, re uh, send me a replacement card? That can be very difficult. It can take months. So I would make sure to use that card. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate sure. it. Um, so uh, there are a couple of questions in the chat. Some of them are quite long, so I won't be able to go into longer questions in the chat, but um, there was one question about uh, whether we recommend uh, going with a lawyer for the I-485 interview. Um, it really depends on your situation. If it is, it's not detrimental just having a lawyer accompany you, just the fact that you have a lawyer with you shouldn't you know, sway the officer one way or the other. If it is a very straightforward I-485 case, employment-based case, um, where there isn't any immigration violations in the history or criminal issues, um, we normally say that you can probably handle the interview on your own and attorney isn't really necessary because even in when attorneys are there, we aren't able to answer questions on your behalf mostly what we can do is um, kind of be there to observe and maybe um, correct or provide some additional information to the officer on certain legal issues, um, but it's pretty limited what an attorney can do. So I would say if you don't have any criminal or um, immigration violations in your history, it's probably not necessary to bring an attorney. You can just have like a phone consultation with your attorney who filed your I-485 to have them prepare you for what to expect um, in the interview. Um, let me see some of the other chat questions. Um, yeah, I think some of them we uh, went over in the conference already. Yeah, when you get um, a new EAD with an I-485 um, and then you file a separate I-485 and, and new EAD with that. Basically, whichever EAD you use kind of attaches you to the I-485, to the EB category that that I-485 was filed in. Um, yeah, some of the other questions in the chat are pretty detailed, so we won't be able to go through them all today, but um, we do have our Facebook live session this afternoon at 5 p.m., so uh, you're welcome to join by um, Facebook or YouTube. The next conference call will be tomorrow at 4.30 p.m. And then um, for more detailed questions, I would recommend um, making an appointment with an attorney to kind of go through all the, if you have a lot of specific dates, kind of calculations, um, multiple applications in your history that you have to kind of sort through and track, it's usually better to talk it out um, with an attorney uh, on a phone call that's in individual to you. 
Um, okay, so the next conference will be tomorrow at 4.30. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.